Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kelly Barner with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg and Kelly, how are we doing? We're good. Doing great. Fantastic. It's just that easy, huh? Just great. One <laughs> word, one word response today. One word it's Monday. Monday, Scott. We're still warming up. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I got a I got a little quick warm-up question for you both, a surprise question. Um, uh -oh. Coffee-wise, we've talked a lot about coffee, it seems like, in recent weeks. Um, Kelly, what is your go-to coffee brand? Oh, Donkeys. I'm in the Boston area. We drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee here. This is God's country. That, uh, is it really? Okay. <laughs> yes. Is that official? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, it is. I'm positive. Okay. Is that like... Uh, <laughs> okay. It's from. Donkeys. Donkeys. Yeah, from Quincy, Massachusetts. Thank okay, you very much. Okay. We got it right. And Greg, I know that you're kind of on again, off again coffee drinker, I believe, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm on right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Lavazza. That, that's not my choice so much. It's delicious, but uh, they have all these different flavors. I think it's super crema or something like that. Um, but you know, my wife has a, co a coffee grinder maker. She's her own b barista. Nice. Yeah. Does she write your I name on the cup? In 40 years or so, <laughs> you know, with the savings per <laughs> cup of coffee, we'll be even. Rob Ott, no human. That is a mistake. <laughs> I love that commercial, <laughs> right on the cup. Um, well, yeah. hello to Vicky, by extension. Uh, that sounds like a wonderful cup of coffee. And of course, donkeys. Kelly, you can't go wrong with yeah. um, the donkeys for sure. But hey, we were recently joined uh, and subscribed to Aerial Resupply Coffee, which is a small business oh, yeah. owned by a veteran. And uh, they also provide a lot of coffee uh, to uh, our folks in uniform serving around the world. So it's been a really cool and a good cup of coffee. So uh, it reminds me, I'm just going to get how appropriate since you're an Air Force guy to that, use Aerial Resupply. So that's is it right. an Air Force vet? You know, I don't know. I'm about to ask Mike. I haven't read up on his bio. I want to say he's more of an he's an Army or Marines vet, but I'll double check. Um, but y'all check it out. You can get it wherever you get your coffee from. Uh, we subscribe. We get two bags every two weeks. Um, so, but this is not not about the, the coffee connection today. I promise. It is Supply Chain Buzz brought to you every Monday, 12 noon Eastern time, right here on Supply Chain Now, where Greg and I, and uh, always a rock and roll star across the industry typically join us today that is kelly barner i was gonna say today you got me <laughs> <laughs> no you're like you're like the, what are you talking about boston is practically the home of rock and roll right, Indeed. right? yes love that dirty um, water <laughs> so uh kelly barner of dial p for procurement of buyer's meeting point of art of procurement you name it kelly has got her finger on the pulse of certainly global procurement and kelly great to have you back here today on the bus Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Fresh off her initiative, the the LinkedIn Creator initiative, too. Yeah, Creator Accelerator. So I'm all kinds of sped up. That's what we it need was. Less coffee. <laughs> less coffee. Yeah. Less coffee. You're approaching ludicrous speed. Um, <laughs> but folks, we're going to say hello to a bunch of folks in the comments here in just a moment. We're so glad that you're here and we want to hear from you. So we're going to be working through three or four different stories here today that should be on your radar. And we'd love to get your take as well. A couple of them 
may solicit more opinions than others, which we shall see. But nevertheless, a uh, quick programming note, Greg and Kelly, are y'all are ready to tackle some of these events? So Kelly, let's do it. And Greg, I tell you what, ask and you shall be, you shall receive and you be, be better. You better be ready to get it because Kelly, we've been, uh, ringing the bell, beating the drum, mm-hmm. sounding the alarm, whatever cliche you want to use to really bring in nominees via the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. And I bet we have almost uh, 70, maybe 80 nominee, uh, nominations across the categories. It was truly a blessing, especially in the last few weeks. So, so Kelly and Greg, we've got a lot of work to do to evaluate all of these uh, these nomination packages, right? Yeah, and they all came in on Friday, which was the due date. So clearly next year we need the world-class procrastination award and we'll just give it to everybody. Uh, so we're thinking like, <laughs> what's happening? What's happening? And then they all came in on the same day and we were buried. We literally were having a meeting, right? We were having the team yes. meeting on Tuesday and it was, oh, there's another pinging, one. Pinging, Three pinging. more just came in. Yeah. <laughs> How's everyone's week been? Oh, four more just came in. <laughs> it was remarkable. So, it was, uh, folks. We've got uh, all that's a wonderful thing because we allows us to uh, better support and support with a bigger check to our friends at Hope for Justice. So that's really cool. We also get to celebrate all these companies and these uh, practitioners. That's really cool. But hey, you can still join us. Uh, May eighteenth is the date of the actual event. It will be a live stream across uh, across the globe. You can uh, visit this link that we're about to drop in the comments, so you can go ahead and register for it uh, on LinkedIn. But if you want any other information about uh, the 2022 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards, you can check us out at supplychainprocurementawards.com. We really got creative with that URL um, this, <laughs> this year, so supplychainprocurementawards.com. Okay, so Greg and Kelly, I want to move along to this very special initiative that we partnered with our friends at Vector Global Logistics. Uh, it started probably two or three weeks ago. Um, it, really, they created it, and we said, hey, that's great work as, as Vector, Norm- Vector normally does. Vector, Victor. Um, uh, we're almost coining a new, uh, a new persona there, uh, Greg and Kelly. Roger, Roger. Yeah, that's right. Um, but Vector does great work here. They're very practically trying to uh, procure resources, get those said resources uh, across uh, across the globe, into the hands of folks uh, that have really vetted needs. Food and medicine are, are the big, two of the biggest needs right now. We're meeting weekly, uh, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time to have kind of these working sessions so we can help identify not only the needs, but the resources and also the wherewithal to get these things shipped uh, via uh, proven re- uh, sources. Greg, this is nothing new for Team Vector, right? Right. I mean, they're... The reason I coined the phrase, pay, you know, uh, what, what is it? Give forward. <laughs> uh, give forward, not give back, right? I mean, give forward is, it's really their business model. How, how do we give through our business and, uh, and make a viable business out of that? So I think uh, their heart and mind and action is in the right place. I completely agree. Um, and Kelly, uh, this is what, it, I mean, this is supply chain and logistics folks are in, in a, a unique position to to really help, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And when you're a mission-driven organization like Vector happens to be, you know, you see a need, you align it with what you can do and you don't look back. And those guys have been incredible. 
Uh, agreed. Well said. And I wonder if they have anybody named Victor working at Vector. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Sammy, this is Victor at Vector. I'm here to get your get your freight. That'd be awesome. Um, if they don't, we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, add a team member maybe. But Kelly and Greg, all kidding aside, what a wonderful um, initiative to be part of. We want to help get the word out amongst our global ecosystem. We've got the link in the comments there. And hey, don't be. Um, no one, you're not obligated to give anything. You're not obligated to bring a need. If you want to come in and register for these working sessions and then sit back with your camera off and observe and gather market intel and put your finger on the pulse, that's perfectly fine. You know, uh, so just join us. Feel free to join us Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And the link again is in the comments. Okay. So before we move on, uh, we, we've got an uh, interesting, interesting anecdote on the front end of the buzz here today. And then we've got three stories that we're going to be working our way through, but Kelly and Greg, I'm going to, let's go ahead. we got a bunch of folks that are tuned in and we're going to try to hit all of them. And in fact, we got to start with a real Victor, uh, <laughs> Victor, your ears may have been burning. Wow. And he's, he's all about that McDonald's buck large coffee. How about that? Greg and Kelly. It is a good cup of is coffee. It, is it? Is it yes, really? I will back is it up really a dollar? Any size. Any size is a buck, huh? Yes. About wow. that. Um, Do they put stuff in it? Or <laughs> I think I mean, so. You know. Yeah, like milk or sugar wow. or whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the question to you, Victor. Uh, is it for you? Is it just black coffee, or do you load it up with uh, cream, sugar, you name it? We'll see. Yes, as I've said many times, I'm a Beastie Boys style of coffee drinker. I like my sugar with coffee and cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sylvia. Hello, Sylvia. Uh, it's great, uh, so great to see you. Of course, she is the supply chain ambassador that happens to reside in Charleston. Uh, big fan and Dynamo based in the Holy City. It's so great to see you there, Sylvia. Uh, Michael's tuned in. Loves a pullover. Time to defend the championship. Oh, that is right, Mike. Right. Uh, World Series champions, twenty twenty one. No one saw that evidently, except for Clay Phillips, the dog, who may be uh, tuned in today. Here, uh, we'll see. Lamont Hardy's back. Greg, Lamont Hardy of San Diego, California, right? Yeah. Yeah, good to have him back. Always dial dial in here because there's going to be something to comment on. I guarantee it, Lamont. Lots of goodness. And Kelly, how about this? Curtis says, uh, check out Atomic Coffee mm. Roasters in Salem, Massachusetts. Salem is a beautiful city. It's not a safe place to go on Halloween. Don't. Don't try that. But all the rest of the oh, time, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Do not go there the weekend of Halloween. Just don't. I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah. And don't wear a black peaky hat. Yeah. <laughs> not unless you want to be approached anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or amongst other things, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, hey, Kavan is back with us. Uh, Kavan, I tell you, did y'all see his latest? Um, he is a writing machine, uh, Greg and Kelly. I can't remember the name, the topic of his latest article. Kavan, great to see you. Hey, drop your link to that. I think it was on LinkedIn. I saw it. Drop your link there, and great to have you here as always. Sylvia is dropping some coffee here. One Nation Coffee, Moab, uh, Restory. Oh, uh, Greg, I'm going to let Restory. you Restory. So finish that. Hansiaten. Michonne. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, so those are two hometown brews, she says. So a lot of good coffee uh, there in the Judy household. Justin Wilson's back with us. Great to see you, Justin, via LinkedIn. Uh, see you, Bonga, uh, via LinkedIn. Uh, 
hey, we want to hear from you, Siobhan. Bring your perspective. Let us know what you're thinking as we're working our way through uh, topics of our day here. Um, let's see, T-squared. Mm-hmm. Looking to- forward to the lunchtime supply chain management nourishment. Kelly, did you pack a lunch today? Always. Yeah, yeah. Got my little brown bag right down here. What's in your sandwich today? Uh, ham and cheese. Okay, man. Boring lunch today in uh, God's country, Massachusetts. Some of the time I got this live stream thing I have to do. I got to be able to eat quick between calls. All right, Greg, (laughs) what you you eating for lunch today? Uh, I don't know yet. I am. uh, I'm expecting a visit from our newest family edition sometime shortly after this. So I I ate a late breakfast to make sure that I was well nourished for this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, T-Squared, thanks for holding down the fort for us on YouTube. Uh, Cigar, great to have you here. Tuned in from India via uh, LinkedIn. So great to see you. Gene Pledger, old GP, the one and only. He's a growing legend around here. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, I was worried that he wasn't going to be. That is right. So, what's the point? What's the point? Natalie is tuned in once again via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Natalie. I think she hails from the Charlotte area. Uh, and Mohib, Professor Mohib, Kelly and Greg, we can't do a live stream without Professor Mohib from the uh, air capital of the country, of the world, maybe, uh, Wichita, Kansas. So great to see you there. Go Shocks. Go Shocks. Okay. So uh, we welcome everybody. Uh, One more. Uh, TV is with us. Oh, Tom Ballantyne, uh, fresh off a full week at Modex. I'm sure he was. And he says, Grandpa Greg, congrats, man. (laughs) Thank you. Awesome. He, uh, Tom had a panel session or a, a keynote or a, or led some sort of discussion at Modex. Love to hear how that went. Yes. So let us know, old TV. Uh, Cargo Margo, it's 9 a.m. I'm looking forward to lunch. My favorite part of the day besides <laughs> happy hour, she says. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Great to have you here, Cargo Margo. Enjoy your uh, live streams as well. Okay. So let's dive right in. I, I want to start off with uh, a little personal anecdote. If uh, here we go. So um, y'all may or may not know that there's an event at McConnell Air Force ba- uh, Air Force Base in Wichita, Kansas, called Knucklebusters. Now, I don't think Knucklebusters is unique to that Air Force Base. I imagine they've got them uh, everywhere. I can't remember what they called it. Uh, I was at Shaw Air Force Base, and I was also at McConnell. Of course, McConnell's Knucklebusters. I can't remember what what Shaw used. But basically, it's an annual event that celebrates all the maintainers that help keep our military moving forward. Hence, knuckle busters, right? As you're working on <laughs> equipment, engines, you name it. Um, they're in their 40th year, Kelly and Greg, 40 years of celebrating our maintainers. Wow. And uh, Supply Chain Now wanted to donate a couple things and do a raffle and stuff. I just love the spirit of the event. And as part of that, we were able to order some new challenge coins. Now, I'm going to save time. I'm not going to tell a story. Many of you veterans that are maybe in the um, uh, in the audience know what I'm talking about with these challenge coins. But get this. Pull the chocks, maintenance rocks, printed across the top of that coin. Don't you love that? Um, yeah, I love that. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but a little tip. You make sure you take these coins wherever you go because you never know when you're going to be, uh, you're going to have a, a coin check and you don't want to be on that end of uh, the bar tab, uh, Greg. You mean paying it? Yes, that's right. That end. Right. This is your insurance policy, right? And, right. and big thanks to uh, Ann and all those wonderful uh, airmen uh, at McConnell Air Force Base doing great things there in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, keeping, you know, keeping not only our military moving forward, but in the greater scheme of things, Kelly and Greg, as we all know, um, you know, global supply chain has an army of maintainers, right? From 
uh, truck fleets to aircraft fleets to um, power equipment at our uh, you know plants. You name it. Um, you know, think of think of uh, here in the last couple of years with the um, um, vaccine. You know, uh, from a um, why can't I fro- a frozen uh, cold, cold chain, chain a cold chain perspective? Think of all the maintainers that goes into that to protecting those products at just the right temperature at the right time, keeping things moving. So, Greg and Kelly, oh, yeah. uh, Greg and Kelly, we got to find new ways of offering up and loving on these folks and giving them some recognition, right? I love the the. Uh, challenge coin idea. That is genius, right? Well, we hope we're going to uh, get a little idea. We're going to do some supply chain now challenge coins, and uh, maybe we'll find a way to celebrate some of the maintainers across global supply chain. How cool would that be, Kelly? There we That'd go. Be very cool. I like that. All right. I will volunteer to uh, to tour some bars and make sure everyone is <laughs> has their coins on their person. That is good to know. We're going to need always that, a giver. Scott, you know me. <laughs> that quality assurance. We need it. So uh, Greg, thank That's you right. so much for volunteering for that mission. Uh, really quick. Kavan answered the call. Uh, he's there he's is. writing about 3d printing and additive manufacturing. So check out that link. A lot of good stuff there. Um, okay. So moving right along, uh, by the way, uh, veteran voices today on the main channel, it was a special uh, crossover episode. Mary Kate Saliva, U.S. Army veteran and overall Dynamo. Uh, we published her first official episode as a host, the host of Veteran Voices. So check that out. Don't ever mistake kindness for weak- weakness with Mary Bell. Um, okay, so Greg and Kelly, did y'all did y'all read the paper over the weekend? Yes. Okay, I know Kelly does. She 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 reads <laughs> like seventeen different to papers. Read the paper, yes. Greg, you mean an actual physical paper? That's right. I wish. No, I have an iPad. Right. You have an okay. Oh, okay. I prefer the paper, but yes, well, I'm with you. So, um, what I so I, I get the the weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal. I really enjoy. It's very eclectic. Um, but this is the article uh, that really got my attention over the weekend. And for folks that may be listening to the audio replay, the article says is is headlined "Logistics Woes Hinder Russia's Military." Now, Greg and Kelly, I got to tell you, as I hit this and was diving into it, it didn't exactly hurt my feelings to see this and see some of the challenges. I mean, this is really a blessing in disguise, right? Mm-hmm. Anything to hinder uh, Putin's outright invasion and atrocities going on in Ukraine. Uh, but setting aside uh, the more important stuff for just a second, from, from a sheer supply chain perspective, I think it's really fascinating to kind of watch this, this develop, Right. One point, and then we're not going to dive deep in this article. I'm going to get y'all's reaction, Kelly and Greg. But one of the points made in uh, in this read was that uh, the exceptional job done for a long time, but in particular in recent decades by logisticians in the U.S. military, well, that may have fooled many into making the assumption that Russia's military's uh, Russian military supply chain prowess could support whatever Putin wanted to do, and that's proving to be proving to be an incredibly inaccurate assumption for sure. And that is uh, good news, uh, undoubtedly. So, Greg, I'll get your response to this uh, to this development first. Well, I, I don't know exactly what the issue is, but uh, issues were. But I know that <clears throat> some weeks ago when the 40-mile convoy, which we've all heard about, uh, sort of stalled outside of Kiev, that, that they were having some, some fuel issues. Um, and they basically became a 40-mile-long t- target for uh, what's left of the Ukrainian military. Um, look, I mean, logistics was born out of military 
um, force, right? I mean, you when if you were a Caesar, a king, a noble person of any kind, and you were you were trying to take land or defend your land, you had to feed and water yep. and supply your um, you know your troops. So it's natural, and you'd think more core to the strength of, of an army to have a really, really strong logistics core. Um, you know, Scott, I was at, I was at the world affairs and, uh, business and supply chain conference, you know, the upstate international yep. world affairs councils of America, uh, conference last week. Whew, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, but, you know, we had a lot of military, uh, and diplomats there talking about things like this. And their theorem last week was that this is part of this pullback is tactical, right? To resupply, to re, um, regather their, their troops, which have gotten far afield and, and to start another offensive. But that doesn't change the fact that they have had some significant supply chain struggles and, and their logistics have uh, left them literally, in some cases, high and dry. Right. So, Kelly, uh, Greg, an, an excellent feedback. And, and, and by the way, uh, I interviewed Greg uh, to gather some of his key takeaways from this event he mentioned. Um, that was Friday. Yeah, right. that's right. And we should. That seems like so long ago already, <laughs> doesn't it, Scott? <laughs> well, you know, it should be. I think our team's turning that around quickly. That's going to publish, I believe, this week. So look forward okay. to that because Greg, Greg brings a lot to the table that may be in your blind spot for sure. Kelly, uh, we're talking about this article over the weekend, Logistics Woes Hinder Russia's Military via our friends at Wall Street Journal. Your quick takeaway there. So this reminds me of a piece of advice that one of my college professors gave me. I did not go to college for supply chain. So this is advice from a Shakespeare professor. And she <laughs> talked about the fact that, you know, comedies start bad and end well. Tragedies start good and end very poorly. If the main character knew what kind of play they were in, they would probably make different choices, right? Because they would know what the <laughs> ending was going to be. I think if Russia had known this was going to last more than 48 hours, I mean, we all thought days, right? We're right. now over a month. You don't need right. a robust supply chain for fuel, full food or fuel or anything else if it's going to be a 48-hour war. So if they right. had known Excellent it was going to drag out this long, they would have re reinforced their supply lines. Mm. Excellent point. Uh, and, um, you know, again, our thought and, 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 you know, it's tough to give this story five minutes, uh, our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers are with not just Ukrainian people, but all the folks across that region. Of course, the beautiful people of Poland are stepping up and welcoming in so many refugees. Um, but regardless, we hope that we find a way to, put, you know, get to a ceasefire soon and then let the diplomats, uh, do what they do and, and, um, get us into the next chapter. But, uh, on a much lighter note, folks, on a much lighter note, uh, Kelly and Greg, let me brag on Sylvia Judy just for a second. You know, we love Sylvia around these parts uh, for her supply chain prowess as much as we like uh, Greg, because I still hadn't had any. She is a master chef when it comes to jelly and jams, right? Yeah, that's right. So when she's not solving the world supply chain, she's in her kitchen cooking out some good stuff. But what you may not know that Sylvia also does is she answers the call. She answers the call for, for, especially for our veterans looking to make connections as they get out. So I'm so thankful that Sylvia, uh, there's a coast guardsman that's getting out after 20 some odd years of serving 
our country in uniform. And we were trying to help him make connections, especially in Charleston, uh, to folks in supply chain. Sylvia raised her hand, immediately connected with him, grab, grabbed a phone call, and clearly is plugging him in. Brendan is his name, plugging him into the uh, the local supply chain industry and community. So as she says here, uh, Sylvia says the Maritime Association of South Carolina uh, Social, uh, I guess, is tonight, and Brendan's going to join. So that is such a very cool. Yeah. So Sylvia, thank you very much. Good to the order, certainly to Sylvia Judy. But you know, that really illustrates one of the challenges that our veterans have. You know, so many of them, they're, you know, they don't go off base and and go to association meetings or or are able to really build out their private, oftentimes build out their private network. And that's usually a big need when they come out of the military, whether they're retiring or they serve a term. So it takes great practitioners and leaders like Sylvia to help make that happen. So Sylvia. You have made our day. So thank you so much here. Okay. Um, let's get this comment here from Mohib. Uh, he says, I read it somewhere that Napoleon used to build supply chain logistics prior to taking over a city. Now, disruption of the supply chain and logistics would hinder any war advancement. There are many ways to fight a war without picking up a weapon. Hey, Greg, Kelly. That's, Wasn't that's, it George Washington that said an army marches on its stomach? Was that? Was it George Washington? Somebody uh, fact check me. Uh, but anyway, yeah, point taken. If I, they can't eat, they won't march. <laughs> that's right, Greg. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. I don't know all the sayings, but I know this: that the Romans were supreme in terms of logistics. Mm. I mean, the reason that they took over much of the West, the reason that they occupied so many countries, the reason that the that words like Kaiser. German for Caesar or king even exist is because of the Romans and they were prolific throughout uh, Europe and, and Western Asia, of course. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And uh, it, I think you're right. I think that was George Washington Kelly. And I like how your, your, um, your fallback position. Well, I'm not sure who quoted it. Uh, the point is, <laughs> they won't march if they don't eat. I love <laughs> that. Kelly. It got, it got said, yeah, yeah, right. right. It got said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to shift gears. I'll tell you, we're, we are covering a ton of ground and we're only halfway through the supply chain buzz, which again, hits your uh, live stream every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. So let's shift gears a bit. I want to bring this story up here and Kelly, um, interesting development as reported on by your hometown news, Boston mm-hmm. Herald is focused on a key ruling in California related to corporate board diversification initiatives. So Kelly, tell us more. So this actually, you know, Greg mentioned my my LinkedIn accelerator. I just spent 10 weeks studying all things diversity. Now, mostly supplier diversity, right, in the procurement context. But it's really incredibly complicated because there's what we want to do. There's the results we want to drive. But you have to stay legal when you do it. And so basically, they tried to mandate that there be women and other members of minority or underrepresented groups put on these corporate boards. The problem is, if you have a law that says you can't discriminate against someone because of age, race, gender, any of those things, you also can't proactively advance somebody for being a different one of those categories. So it was ruled unconstitutional. I mean, clearly we need some change but we have to find a, a way to do it that doesn't run afoul of, of constitutional law. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Greg? 
a lot of emotion in this issue, obviously, right? And I think sometimes politicians in their uh, effort to do well uh, let emotion overrule their knowledge or adherence to the law. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly the case here. Uh, Of course, we want this to happen, but um, you know, much like other initiatives that were struck down, the the Supreme Court has actually ruled on this, yes. I believe, <clears throat> right? Because of uh, there was a 70s uh, initiative that I cannot remember what it was called, uh, affirmative action, right? And um, and yeah, I mean, it, you know, the thing we have to be careful about is not disadvantaging others, right? right. Because um, for instance, old white guys won't always be the majority, right? And um, we can't shift the power and lock it into any group in, in, you know, in particular. And I think the law taking a much, much broader perspective is uh, important for yeah. not just the now, but the future as well. Well said, Greg and Kelly. And Kelly, one quick follow-up question. Sure. Um, 10 weeks of studying uh, the, the best practices and things that don't work perhaps uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to supplier diversity and, and the like, anything else really stick out as a, as a key learning for you? I think probably the biggest key learning, I mean, and we're all interviewers here, right. In, in different capacity, I think, you know, after doing this for so many years, I learned just how much more there was to do around being an effective, active listener when you're discussing something like race, gender identity, disability status with people, you have to be incredibly sensitive. But I think the listening skills that I had to build on over the 10 weeks are exactly the same thing that we need to actually attack these problems, whether it's in business or the public sector, right? We all need to be listening a whole lot more carefully and maybe talking a little bit less. So big problem, super challenging, very emotionally charged, Greg. You're absolutely right about that. No easy answers, um, but we have to just keep after it, and we will eventually make the progress we need to make. That's right. Uh, I think we have to acknowledge that most, most, nearly all, I would say, um, good people want this kind of change. They just want it done the right way, yeah. and you know the. Sorry, they want it done in a way that it doesn't. Um, cause unintended consequences, right? And fortunately, because we are, though, we are constantly told we're a democracy. We're not in the United States. We are a federal representative republic. Um, And because of that, we are protected from the, in, in, uh, let's see, the unintended misdeeds or consequences of, of the horde or of emotion, Right. Yeah. And this is so, the thing corporations have to be careful of, too. Coca-Cola's general counsel tried to say X percent of all legal contracts have to go to minority owned law firms. You can't do that. He's not general counsel anymore. Right. So this isn't mm-hmm. even just a politician mistake. We all have to be so careful that even as we're trying to, you know, what is it? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. Um, definitely the NFL just, not George Washington. Who said that? Beelzebub? <laughs> uh, Kayla, who, who are we attributing that to? I think Greg said that. Okay. All right. Well, hey, well speaking, before my time. <laughs> speaking of which, Corey says that going back to the last story, oh, uh, okay. this is uh, old dude Cromers attributed that quote was attributed to Napoleon and Frederick the Great, Kelly Barner. Very cool. So, thank you for that, Corey. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. Hope this finds you well wherever you are, uh, Corey. 
Also, Lamont says he agrees with Mohib about the same reasons why the Germans initially built the Autobahn to resupply and transport the armies expeditiously. Now, you may not as know. As fast as they wanted. Right. Yeah. Well, and the same principle applied to the interstate system here in the U.S. Right. In fact, if you go look at the official name, the Dwight D. Eisenhower National System, National System of Interstate and Defense Highways. A big part Ooh, is moving, really? yeah, moving, moving um, uh, material and equipment quickly. Uh, and people and consumers and vacationers and tourists, even though sometimes uh, the best of those intentions uh, through parts of, say, Atlanta, <laughs> don't nothing moves quickly. But uh, never, nevertheless, isn't that the truth? Um, all right. So Kelly and Greg, thank you all very much. Uh, we'll keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, you know, we're all kindred spirits. There's so much more work that has to be done. But to both of y'all's point, it's got to be done the right way, uh, and that's that. That's one of the uh, the uh, tricky parts about it. Um, all right, so let's move right along to the next story here. I think we're going to be talking about Limbo. Limbo. Remember that game as a kid? No, I'm, I'm yeah. setting that aside. But the, the headline did remind me in my mind of the Limbo, if you're of the roller skating rink generation that the three of us are. So <laughs> uh, labor market, the wild, wild west these days. All it's missing is, let's see, White Earp and May West. <laughs> Kelly, Greg, what else? What if we're making this analogy? What else is are we missing from the wild, wild west when it comes to labor market? Anything? How about baby boomers? Baby boomers. for the most part. Okay. I mean that. Yeah. That I mean that really figures into this equation pretty dramatically. I so. thought you were going to say huckleberries, Greg. I'm so disappointed we didn't continue the analogy. Uh, who's that, Doc? Doc Holiday. Doc Holiday. Yes, Kelly. Yes, you nailed that one. Sure. All right, but as it relates to the workforce and the labor market, Kelly, let's talk mm-hmm. about this question that's on the tip of everybody's, a lot of people's tongues, at least. How low can unemployment go? And obviously, it can go extremely low. I think maybe the better question we should ask is, what are the maybe negative consequences of unemployment continuing to fall? Right. So as there's more job openings, there's more opportunities, people move around. You don't make a lateral move unless you have to. You're negotiating higher salaries, which dries up the cost of everything. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we unintentionally contribute to inflation by, by moving around and seizing these opportunities. So really low unemployment sounds like a good thing. But beyond a certain point, it's actually a really serious concern. Mm. Greg, I know you're geared I'm- up, ready to go. What you got? I am completely vexed by the possibility that that unemployment is almost at record levels yes. for the history of its measurement. Three point eight percent right now unemployment, and and think about how many companies legitimately say we still don't have enough people. So truly, to that point around baby boomers, what we have to look at is the is the, the denominator, right? The the um, workforce has actually shifted substantially and there are fewer people for the amount of jobs. There are something like 11 or 10.6 million job openings right now and only 8.4 million job seekers. So in fact, if if you consider the, the whole number, we are actually at negative unemployment. So uh, it it is it's going to be a very interesting thing. I mean, not not just the fact that 
3.6 million baby boomers retired last year, or not just baby boomers, but people over 55 um, last year. I guess those are all baby boomers or, or older. Um, retire 3.6 million more retired last year than we're expected to. And they were, and baby boomers were uh, retiring at a rate of 10,000 a day. Wow. So, so we had an incredibly large number of people retire. They may come back into the workforce yeah. and again, change the denominator so that, so that things happen. But there's also this sort of mismatch of skills um, for the jobs that are open. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, because, because I actually did some research on this, Scott, which I know shocks you. But I'm about, <laughs> my socks are off. My, you've blown my socks <laughs> off, Greg. Well, uh, you know, I was so vexed by this number, Kelly, mm-hmm. that I had to investigate how it is possible, some of these numbers. And what I found was this great mismatch, not, not a great resignation. And by yeah. the way, the, the people of the great resignation are not who we thought they were. They are not millennials no. and they are not Gen Zers and they are not Gen Xers. They are largely baby boomers. The great resignation was people largely retiring early. But there's this, but left from that, because as we've talked about many times before, those baby boomers took their largely unwritten gifts, skills, and processes out the door. There's hardly anyone qualified to do the jobs that they have left behind because so much of that work was uh, lacked. Co- complete documentation. It was all in their head and we've lost a lot of that work knowledge. And there's very few people that where the desire and the skill set match up on these 10.6 million jobs. Which basically works out to be 1.8 jobs for every person who wants one. That's right. Dangerously close to two. Two full-time jobs almost for every single person that might want a job. So it, it clearly is not an issue of opportunity. It's an issue, like you said, Greg, of the of the match. And mm. Scott, you guys have had some awesome people on talking about how they need to win people over to the lifestyle associated with long haul trucking or win people over to the idea that manufacturing is not like a dark and dirty place to work, that it's actually very high tech. There's a lot of automation involved. Right. Some of it right. is a perceived disconnect more than there is an actual one. Yeah, agreed. You know, over the weekend, speaking of uh, labor-related issues, I came across a story of our IRS, right, the Internal Revenue Service. They are uh, thousands of workers short, and they're still, I also found out, there's still roughly 9 million Americans that still file an actual paper return versus the e-file that so many Americans do. And so what that's created is this massive backlog, uh, and it also creates some risk. Because you've got a lot of tax documents sitting lined up in the in the queue, and we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands in these various uh, centers. And gosh, if there's a fire, all those documents are lost. And then I can, I can only imagine the the pain involved, both for the IRS and the taxpayers. So um, the IRS is trying to play catch up. In fact, uh, this the, what I was reading said that IRS still typically does business as they do as they did it largely in the '90s. And some of the modernization monies that it, that have been added to its budget, they're having to use to try to hire people to process these manual turns. Really fascinating um, on, a, on a variety of levels. And then separate from that, and perhaps more exciting than that, because it's one of my favorite topics, pizza. I watched the pizza show over the weekend, okay. Greg and Kelly. Stick with me here. Now you've got my attention. <laughs> it's called the pizza show? Like that's what the show is called? Yeah. It's oh. a Vice, Vice Network. 
It's called the Pizza Show, and this this guy, I believe, he's like a Brooklyn entrepreneur that has his own pizza shop, and he's traveling the country with a with a uh, film crew, going into New Jersey style pizza, of course Chicago, making these visits. And gosh, it is. I think it's a really cool show. It makes you hungry, and it also interviews like the family and entrepreneurial story. Yeah. Anyway, I bring that up because Boston Robotics was one of the places he mentioned. Uh, he ventured to Kelly, mm-hmm. and they had. Uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but they had a a pizza automation line. They were automating the the pizza build process, and of course, as a pizza as as a chef himself, he was very um uh he wasn't didn't have a whole bunch of confidence in the ultimate product, but it was delicious. But he was still kind of hedging his bets if you know the future of uh, of uh, pizza making of just how much involved robotics and automation will be. Greg and Kelly. I'm of the ilk that it's got to be a, anything requiring uh, um, uh, humans and elbow grease, you know, that has potential of being automated to some degree. Everyone's got to be considering that, you know, nothing's out of bounds, perhaps. Greg, get your response to that, either taxes or pizza, just not to <laughs> both at the same time. Otherwise, we'll need lots of right. beer. But, uh, but Greg, your response. Well, I'm going to do with taxes what I largely do during tax season, which is ignore it. Um, so <laughs> let's go on to pizza and um, uh, and labor in general. You know, 1.8 jobs per person. I think we can stop apologizing for automation and and cease this old ancient narrative that largely did apply to the baby boomers of automation taking jobs away from people. And uh, you know, and I. I preach this all the time. Here I go, right? Represent. And uh, I think, (laughs) that's right. Um, And I think, you know, one of the things we have to understand is supply chain, procurement, and and many industries are are moving from a brute force type industry to an intellectual pursuit. And that is a natural elevation of human beings. Let, let, robots let automation do the dark the dirty the mm-hmm. dangerous the mundane the mindless the, and mind-numbing and and um and and of course there are other intellectual pursuits that they can do better and more consistently than humans but that still leaves plenty of domain for humans to work in right where we are excellent we are excellent in making rapid decisions that are high stakes with inadequate or inaccurate uh information right which you cannot do with technology. You just simply can't do it because they require too much data. We have been collecting data for our entire lives. We have learned by, um, by imprinting in some cases and, and formal learning or informal learning and ideation over the course of our entire lives. So that ability to reason and think critically is unique to human beings. Yeah. Hmm. Kelly. I'll continue along the same lines with automation. I think self-service is going to be the answer in more areas than we even realize. I mean, an obvious example is you go to McDonald's and there's that TV turned on its side where you can put in your little meal order and and pay, right? That's self-service. But even on the corporate landscape, whether it's through procurement systems, HR systems, you know, let people take care of themselves. If we're hiring someone and we're assuming they're intelligent enough and skilled enough that we want them to be part of our our company, why not let them book and make purchases and, you know, handle their own travel and all these things where we used to have teams of people 
they really don't need to be done by people as much as we think. There should be a whole lot more self-service inside of companies as well as from a consumer standpoint. Excellent point. As long as it works, going back to these procurement platforms, <laughs> at times it's felt like we're in procurement purgatory. I'll tell you what, it is so painful. Lots of P's there. Uh, but Kelly, I'm with you. If it works, yep. I'm of the, I love going through, um, I don't know about y'all, but grocery store, get the seven things I need and then check it out on my own. You know, some of those days might be, it might be a tough day. You don't feel like talking and making small talk. It's all like, you know, uh, of your own device. I love it embrace it. And, and if that allows organizations to not only give a good service that the consumer wants, but also navigate through this challenging labor environment, Hey, let's do a lot more of it. Um, I think generational change and economics are going to force a ton of automation. Yes. I mean, you mentioned McDonald's, Kelly. I mean, first of all, being paid $15 to slap one of those horrible hamburgers together is utterly ridiculous, and it's not economically feasible. Right. So you can see some of the truly fast food, some of the really repeatable, yeah. the stuff that they stack up anyway, you can see that being automated um, and maybe, Lord help us, a greater quality. But, you know, the the, the other thing is generational change and generational desire. Gen, Gen Z and millennials don't want to be truck drivers. Yeah. The truck driver shortage is never, and you can quote me on this like many have over the course of the last three or four years, never going away. Mm. We will never not have a truck driver shortage. And autonomous is now inevitable, yeah. not, not impending. Yep. I want to be clear on that because everybody gets really uptight. Right. And especially people in the trucking industry, they want to believe that it could never happen. Yep. It can and it will. Trucking will change dramatically. But and we can talk about how offline. Yep. Um, but, you know, it is those kind of roles. It is some jobs in factories that are yet to be automated. It is robotic yeah. process automation, entering invoices and things like that that are done by humans. Often, Scott, the cause of our pain is not necessarily the automation. It, it is humans who don't know how to operate their procurement system and they and they cause this pain for us and for themselves. So there are ways to solve this. And as the incoming generations don't want these jobs anyway, they want something more mentally stimulating, something more meaningful in their yeah. minds, something more purpose-driven. Uh, it's inevitable that this automation will happen. And it creates opportunities for differentiation, right? Think about like craft beer. Sure, you can buy you know, Budweiser produced at scale in some factory someplace, people are lining up to pay craft beer prices because there's a perceived improvement in value. And you're not going to uh, buy maybe right. all your beer you drink over the course of the year, but for special occasions or if it's something you really want to try, right? I think the same thing is true. You could have an upscale McDonald's where, right? Come on in and we'll do it a fancier way. The same way in, you know, corporations, you can either do it the low cost automated way or somebody will find a way to express enough value to do it in sort of a boutique delivery kind of fashion. Yeah. You could be drinking. We have never had more human beings employed than we do right now. Yep. And we have never had more automation in the workplace than we do right now. It is not a zero sum game. All right. So I'm back on beer. I'm back on <laughs> beer. No games. Back on beer. We could all be drinking Sam Adams from Boston. Is that how it goes, Kelly? Can you say that for us? Master. My cousin from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Greg, as you were sharing your um, your hot take, I was looking around for my helmet and my bulletproof vest, and it, it was not within 
not within reach. Uh, but I bet folks are going. Only McDonald's is coming after us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And by the way, that was Victor. Victor Kelly spoke about McDonald's, but Victor was talking about that large $1 cup of coffee. So we'll get his take. Uh, as long as the robots don't mess up my chicken nuggets at uh, <laughs> McDonald's, right? All right. So um, let's share a couple of comments here. Going back all the way to the Audubon, Sylvie says, if you ever go to Berlin, you notice just how wide the roads are. Uh, also, between uh, Frankfurt and Stuttgart, very wide. Really? Graduated speed limit as you go farther to the left lanes. And in certain areas, it used to be that the speed limit, there was no speed limit. Now it's only in certain areas. And boy, is that fun to watch what cars come blowing by you when the speed limit goes off. I bet. I have never experienced that, Greg White. But I bet you're one of those cars that are going flying past folks, no? <laughs> Volkswagen Passat station wagon. Okay. That was me. Nice. With, with the kitties in the That'd back. That'd be the right-hand yeah. lane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd be amazed, Kelly. Those cars are super fast. Oh, are they? I mean, they all... Yes, they, they're geared for the Audubon in a lot of cases. Well, also, Sylvie talks about uh, that she is attending, attended the College of Charleston Job Fair last week. 110 organizations competing for that talent there. Uh, yep. Big shout out to a couple of COC students UFC. that yeah. joined us along with um, Keith. Keith's last name is escaping me right now, but Amanda and Chantel and Catherine. First off, thanks for what y'all do behind the scenes in production. If we could drop that episode to the COC episode uh, last week, that would be wonderful. Um, Rhonda says, so many job openings here, but people don't want to see the work for $15 an hour. It seems that way to her, at least. Mm. Uh, Tom's talking pizza, my kind of my kind of guy here. Pizza plug, check out our Ooh. new customer, Crew Pizza Outdoor Pizza Ovens, crewovens.com. So, Tom, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most delectable pizza that you can ever put in your mouth. Uh, Greg, kind of mm. like that. Um, what was that pizza you and I got? We met at Vector and um, it's. An oh, Antico. Yeah. And yeah. that's right. Ant Antico. Yeah. Antico. Or, yeah, however you, so yeah. Tom, on a scale of one to 10, let us know really what good. this uh, outdoor pizza oven, the crew company can do. If 10, 10 being the, the standard Antico delicious and one being maybe that cardboard box mess you get for a buck at your local um, discount store. Uh, Sylvia is seriously thinking of getting her CDL and Hey, Syl Sylvia is kind of like a, a fourth co-host here today. Uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, I'd feel safer if, if she was driving, frankly, I yeah. would too. Mohib yeah. says, Hey, did you hear anyone complain about automating the toll booth? Could could the toll booth excellent point? That's true. Could the toll booth attendant not find another boring job? Me, bring I it. Bet, I bet. I bet the toll booth workers of America were like, "Oh, thank goodness!" <laughs> right. Kavan, wow, zero sum game. Hashtag game theory. Uh, we'll have to bring him back for another discussion. There, Victor is still with us. Uh, Victor, hey, if you're Team Chicken Nugget, let me know uh, as long as the robots don't mess that up. And finally, Tom says, amen, Brother Greg, on automation. Modex has just half a dozen robotic vendors just six years ago. Oh, six of those six years ago. And last week, over 96 robotic wow. vendors. And ask wow. and you shall receive, Tom says, eight to ten <laughs> on that pizza score, depending on the user. Uh, love that. Okay, and the team has dropped that um, brilliant episode with Keith and a couple of College of Charleston students in the comments. 
Okay, we've got one more story to get to today, Kelly and Greg. And this perhaps is one that is universally relatable, right? Because as all of us are consumers, all of us navigating yes. through these last couple of years, um, you know, we've had to make some decisions when it comes to inflation and shortages, product shortages mm. in particular, uh, impacting brands of all mm-hmm. uh, all sorts. And consumers, again, have had to make a lot of tough and new decisions, according to this article from the Wall Street Journal. So, Kelly, tee it up. What are we talking about here? So, historically, the best defense against the effects of inflation on consumer goods was brand loyalty. The problem is when you combine prices going up because of inflation with uh, supply shortages because of supply chain disruptions, it's not enough. The brand loyalty is not enough. And so we got some really interesting information about the behavioral change that consumers have embraced over the last couple of years. Um, 70% of U.S. shoppers say that they tried at least one brand new brand during the pandemic. And as of today, Kroger actually ran this study. 90% of consumers, if they get to the store and they don't have their brand of product, they don't wait and come back. They don't try to go someplace else. They pick a different brand. And a lot of it just comes down to, to inventory. Greg, you and I started kind of exchanging about this on LinkedIn this morning, that even if your item is in stock on the shelf between 72 to 85% of the time, you are losing a share of the customer's wallet. It's apparently, what was the percent you had, Greg? It's incredibly high how in stock your product has to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be about 98% in in stock to to be available. That's really, especially for the fast-moving consumer goods, yeah. your Cheerios, Heinz ketchup, you know, milk, yeah. eggs, things like that. So uh, it, the, the expectation of the consumer for those particular items has always been extremely high, which is why margins in the grocery industry yeah. are so tight to begin with. But the pandemic changed us as shoppers. Now we know there's no reason to wait because no one else is going to have it either, right? I might as well just buy right. some other brand of, of cereal. But of course, companies are also responding. So this all kind of kicks off a cycle. We're willing to buy anything. So companies are saying, all right, rather than lose share of consumer wallet, I'd rather produce less varieties, less pack sizes, less, you know, different kinds of things. I'm going to have way less SKUs, but they're going to be in stock closer to that 98% of the time. So whatever you do, whatever you do, fake Oreos don't work. You got to have the real deal. You can substitute plenty of things, Greg, but I can taste a fake Oreo from three miles away. Don't try to fool anybody with that. Right, Greg? I think we've had the discussion right here, Scott, about Hydrox cookies. And um, while I do not decry them, they are not my style. And and I have implored the great supply chain master, Sandra McQuillan, to assure that that Oreos are constantly on shelf on the shelf. She's the chief supply chain officer at Mondelez. She has done a hell of a job in every store that I have been in. Um, but I want to I want to say again, keep up the good work, please, if only for those of us who love those disgusting, hardly food and totally delicious cookies. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing we have to think about, and, you know, I'm a retailer, so I'm used to looking at this from the consumer and the retail angle. And um, that in-stock percentage is, it used to just be the retailer's brand equity that it was at play. Then, oh, you know, Kroger is out or, oh, Publix or Wegmans or, you know, Ray's, Roy's, whatever 
uh, is out. Um, but now people ha- can see all the way through the supply chain. And we talked about this a lot last week. And as a matter of fact, purely coincidentally, I talked about this with Reese's, the Hershey company, in my supply chain summary today. And a couple thousand people have have viewed and, and talked about it in the last four hours. But, um, but uh, you know, the supply chain is so unintentionally transparent now that people know that it is, you know, Heinz fault, Kraft Heinz fault, who in the article that we were talking, we were talking about acknowledged that they had some, some difficulties keeping products on the shelf, not just theirs. You know, there's, there are shortages of vegetables from around the world, obviously shipping backlogs and things like that. And, but companies have uh, really changed their perspective. Having been a merchandiser before being in supply chain, the person who selects the products and how many of those products we might buy from Kraft Heinz or whomever. Previously, when someone would present us with new products, we would select about 70% of those products. Now, retailers, when presented with the opportunity to add SKUs, add items to their product mix, they're rejecting. 70% of those items and saying, we're going to stay with the core yeah. that's, that provides the volume, the stability, um, you know, and the production volumes that allow us to count on it being in and the profit that we can count on because we don't want to take a risk on putting something on valuable shelf space that may not sell, mm. right? Blood orange uh, Oreos <laughs> could be a risk. Major uh, risk, major risk, and very valuable space. The regular Oreos is a risk, as far as I'm concerned. But I do applaud the the variations that um, that and people who commented on my commentary have have identified a few. Yep. Um, I think Larry Leung is fine as long as Kit Kats are in stock. Yes. So that that don't his, mess with Kit Kats. Supply that's chain go to right. So really quick, we're talking about this article via the Wall Street Journal. Brand loyalty takes a hit from inflation and and shortages and we're all dealing with it as consumers and of course uh enterprise are figuring out different ways of protecting the resources they do have to make maximize and optimize what the products are putting on that valuable store shelf space okay we're gonna leave it there because i want to get to uh next steps with both of y'all but first folks we we got a big thing to celebrate today big thing our dear friend enrique alvarez is in the cheap seats here today and after three year, after only three years of having invited him to be my friend, today he accepted my <laughs> Facebook friend invite. So Enrique, Facebook, really? Yeah. Okay. You know, we're we're like second cousins already, right? Uh, and now we're we're Facebook officials. So Enrique, great to see you here. He says some companies, Trader Joe's, do a good job with the vanilla ones, though. Question mark. I'll just <laughs> their own brand, their own brand of sandwich cookies. You know, Is I think they only mean? sell their own I brand of stuff. I, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I'm, I'm, you know, we were just there Sunday at the Trader Joe's in Athens, and I'm not sure. Amanda is there. I'm sure she can tell us, but I believe Trader Joe's does some licensing and, and does some white labeling, but who knows? Uh-huh. Um, we'll find out. Really quick. So, Kelly, you have got um, – not only did you get the call, uh, and we're folks, we're going to go over just a couple minutes here today. Um you got the call from the team here. Holy mackerel. Dial P is back for season two. 
Uh, it set the market on fire season one. We had yeah. everybody, including mm-hmm. uh, Paramount Plus, calling us for uh, the rights to put it in their <laughs> channels. I'm only kidding. We told them, get out your wallet. <laughs> Sorry, all those attorneys yeah. at Paramount. I'm just, just kidding. I promise. But kidding aside, it's been well received. We've got tons of feedback, yes. tons of consumption, tons, tons of um, even anecdotal feedback from the market. Season two is here. So tell us about what's going on at Dial P for procurement. So the big thing is we're now weekly, right? Every single Thursday, a new episode hits. The next two, this week coming out, uh, it's everything you ever wanted to know and more about how inflation works, why it's caused, where we're going with it. Um, So definitely check that out. And then the Thursday after, really good interview. In fact, Greg, you're definitely going to want to hear this one. I spoke to a guy named Jeffrey Goldstein. His job is that he is boots on the ground in China for Western-based companies who cannot get there to be to work mm. with their suppliers. And his background is in ethics. So very interesting interview with him. Definitely yeah. pushed against some, some edges of asking some really tough questions, but there was a lot to learn from talking to him in that interview. I bet he learned a lot about ethics in China. I have a feeling, and he obviously couldn't say everything, right? But we had conversation on camera Ethically and all. obligated not to, I'm sure. It doesn't stop exactly. Greg White. Come on, uh, <laughs> get with the program, lay it all out there, be frank with us. No, I'm kidding, of course. Well, looking forward to that and love yeah, that. Yeah, that is fantastic. Also, I mean, I think both of those are really compelling issues. None of us understand inflation. I literally, I mean, again, last week, God, I, the more I think about that, the more compelling that that meeting was met with economists who completely baffled by what's going on with inflation, recession, whatever's going on. So any insight that you can get, take it. Uh, so I appreciate you putting that out there. Also, Absolutely. So folks sign up for dial P for procurement, wherever you get your uh, podcast from it's in its own channel now. So if you want all procurement all the time, weekly episodes and content thought leadership, been there, done that. Uh, with practitioner perspective, check out Dial P for procurement. Greg, you're make gonna- sure people see the phone, Kelly. Yeah, where's you- that phone? Yeah, it's right back there. I uh, see it. Okay, there it is. I spy something red. Okay, um, let's also <laughs> uh, let's also talk about this upcoming event you've got uh, uh, coming up uh, April 14th. And look, it's at 10 a.m., 12 p.m., and 1 p.m. Oh, just kidding. It's all that's the same time. <laughs> Kelly's like, wait a second. Thank we're doing three shows? No. no uh, but Kelly, talk about this uh, free live event with our friend uh, Jeanette. Yeah. So um, she asked me, why don't you come do this live event? We're going to let people ask you anything they want about inflation. And I thought, uh-oh. So really, what you're getting on this Thursday's Dial P is a boiled down all of the research I had to do. It's been a very long time since I was in business school. So I went all the way back to the beginning. I dug through everything. I've been reading every single business article I can find about inflation. I'm going to do my best to answer all of those questions. But this Thursday's Dial P is sort of like encapsulated all the most interesting stuff that I pulled together. And I will tell you, a little teaser, the main source of inflation is us. Mm. That's that's my little teaser. Inflation is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So definitely both check out Dial P on Thursday and join Jeanette and I, and I if you can on the 14th. Mm. Well, it doesn't really surprise me because if a little laughing dog <laughs> on a coin can drive, you know, the popularity of that can wait a second. Cancel all my Amazon orders, okay. please. 
I was about to say, either Greg's got a really important call or that's my cue that he's got something to add dramatically and to I'm the thinking, theme. why is my phone ringing? <laughs> so, well, folks, don't miss. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> don't miss what would be a great event April 14th. I think the link's already been dropped in the comments. Yes. Uh, Jeanette has been with us on Dial P previously. I had a chance to meet her, and she's a dynamo just like Kelly B. So y'all check that out. Uh, before we talk about Greg, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, his supply chain summaries, a great one again today. Let's say, look, just let's take a couple quick comments and we'll wrap on with yeah. Greg. Victor yeah. says, only coffee from McD's these days. He's got to treat my body more as a temple. Uh, Victor, Unless like a tent. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> that is right. Victor, I'm with you. Uh, T-squared says, Gen Xers are also missing from the workforce, but job quality is a major factor. Excellent point. Uh, Greg and Kelly both were speaking towards that. Uh, and he adds that job mismatch, misalignment is also a factor. Excellent point. I can verify that uh, if you're older than 55 this year, you are a Gen Xer. Hey. If you were older than 55 last year, you were a boomer. Okay. So, well. There you go. <laughs> there you go. It's official. It is Greg White official. Here today Believe me, I checked for that line, especially when that OK Boomer thing came out. I was really looking <laughs> for that line. I dare <laughs> anybody to use that phrase uh, with our, our team here. Um, all right. So Jose uh, is talking about Trader Joe's here and talking about lots of weight, white labeling. So excellent point there, yeah. Jose. Sorry to miss you. Jose was in Atlanta with Modex, and, and uh, I believe we missed him there. We'll have to have you on a future episode, Jose, but great to see you. Um, there was something here. I thought from I thought Enrique had responded to my uh, my my Facebook mention, but I think maybe he was sharing that he also is team chicken nugget. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia says that is Enrique about the, the three year lapse between the invite and the acceptance there. Uh, Mohib just noticed that Supply Chain now reached fifty thousand followers on LinkedIn. Wow! So thank you uh, to all of y'all. I mean that's it, it is very rewarding, right? Um, Mohib says, those of us who have been following you since less than 5,000, expecting one of those $1 nasty coffee gift cards as a token of brand loyalty. It's not nasty. That is so uh, funny. I can one-up you there, Mohib. Next, next time I'm in Wichita, I will buy you a cup of coffee. All right. From McDonald's. Maybe even lunch. <laughs> so, let's, Greg, let's book that trip. Let, let's, take, uh, let's take you and me. And maybe a videographer head to Wichita. Let's sit down and, and 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 maybe we can. I'd love to sit down with uh, some of the maintainers from McConnell Air Force Base and get their take. Maybe on an episode of Veteran Voices with uh, yeah. Mary Kate, and we can talk with some of the supply chain, uh, entrepreneurial, you name it. Some of the stuff. Yeah, I mean, place. Wichita State has a supply chain master's program now, so we could meet with the the, the leaders of that as well. Let's let let's maybe even get a sit down. With Rick Muma, Love the it. president of Wichita State. Leaving Outstanding guy. on a jet plane. Uh, I'll finish that next week uh, at the buzz here. But <laughs> you have to? Greg. Uh, no, no. Uh, but let's talk about, really quick as we wrap here, 107 or a couple minutes over, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, supply chain summaries. Uh, yeah. Um, you, you don't fake the funk ever. You always bring it. <laughs> you bring what folks need to know. You bring the real story, not the popular narrative. That some PR team somewhere in you know a corner office somewhere around the world wants you to know, wants you to think you know, you're bringing the real stuff. So tell tell us about what your angle is every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on LinkedIn. Every every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I 
I get an article and and if I don't discuss specifically the topic in the article, which seems frequent, more frequent lately, doesn't it, Scott? It's at least the article is an igniter of ideas or thoughts, maybe on a broader perspective around what's going on in supply chain or over the last few weeks, occasionally the world, um, as we talk about um, the illegal dictator of, of Russia and his uh, unchecked aggression. Um, but usually, and, and even then, it's, it's often a topic of how that impacts supply chain or how supply chain impacts mm-hmm. uh, situations like that, which I became, again, more keenly aware of last week at the, at the Upstate International Conference. But um, every, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I want to just take some opportunity to enlighten people, to help them think, to help them learn, have some hope, maybe even some forewarning about what is coming. I am a firm believer in forewarned is forearmed, and I think that's a critical aspect that has been missing as we use all other things being equal too often in supply chain, and we all know that all other things are never equal. So, um, you know, really what I want to do is just help inspire, inform, enlighten people uh, in, in and about supply chain when when I give a commentary on some of these articles. You know, enlighten should start with an I too. Then you'd be on something. You know, the, the you know there's another I that I use frequently and I cannot remember what it is. Inspire, <laughs> enlighten, inspire, well, inform. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Make sure you follow or connect with Greg on, on LinkedIn. Of course, he's on Twitter. He's across all social. And of course, you can find him here on Supply Chain Now. On the same veins. Uh, veins? In the same vein? I don't know. Kelly, Thanks. Kelly yeah. Barner. Uh, where can folks connect with you? And then we're going to wrap. Definitely LinkedIn is the best place to find me. And also definitely read Greg's three times a week summaries. I respect the fact that it's not a ton of words, but is a ton of meeting and ideas. So real easy to read, real hard to think about. Definitely don't miss them. Love it. Thanks, Kelly. You bet. A lot of good stuff there. All right. So Enrique did respond. He responded, guys. He responded. Ah. Uh, count me in. I think in one day now. <laughs> <laughs> We're real friends. I promise. Wow, it's official. Uh, no, Enrique is also all about that trip to Wichita. So who knows? Uh, he says he's never on Seriously? Facebook. Seriously? Yeah. That would be awesome. Wouldn't it, though? Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. He says he's never on Facebook. And he was catching, catching up on his invites of the last five years. Uh, so I, I can only imagine, uh, Enrique. But hey, kidding aside, join us this Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, as we mentioned, uh, leveraging logistics and supply chain for our friends in Ukraine and beyond, uh, April 6, 3 p.m. And we've got the link for that in the comments as well. Okay, we got to leave it there. Kelly. We do. How did we go so far over? I mean, it. Well, think about by, it. Right? We talked pizza, we talked Mickey D's, mm-hmm. we talked taxes, and we talked lots and lots of supply chain. So we had, and we enjoyed each other's company and a ton of folks in the sky, uh, sky yeah. boxes here today. It's a perfect formula for going over, but Hey, be sure folks join us back next Monday, 12 noon Eastern time, never late, right on time with stuff you need to know. Some new stories, leading developments across global, uh, industry, really in the supply chain buzz, uh, big thanks to Kelly Barner. Big thanks to Greg white. Again, big thanks to Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, all the folks behind the scenes to help make this production happen. Uh, thanks all y'all coming out. We had a ton of comments we couldn't get to here today. Safe travels wherever you are. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And whatever you do, folks, on behalf of our entire team here, do good, give forward, 
and be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.